Every fall, the arid wilderness of Australia is peppered with the fallen bodies of tiny marsupials. But what could create such a grisly scene? Predators? Disease? Global warming? The answer is none of the above. The brown Antichinus spends the month of August focused on one thing to the exclusion of all else, and it costs him his life. In the immortal words of the mighty Obi-Wan Kenobi, He's done that himself. But why such a sad ending for such a cute animal? Well, the answer can be found in this creature's massive appetite, both for food and for love. But you gotta give it your all if you wanna pass on your genes here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. <laughs> and thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And today we are literally talking about a creature that lives by a pattern of life and death and has an interesting taxonomy. But more yes, on that later. It has a strict samurai code. <laughs> uh, this is a. I'll go ahead and take this opportunity as a disclaimer. For the first. For the, for the general info for this animal, uh, everything's probably going to be fine. Uh, but the major fact it has a lot to do with the mating habits of this animal. Um, yeah. And so if that is something you don't want young ears to hear or you don't want your ears to hear, uh, just when we get to the major fact, I'll give another little disclaimer and you can skip on to the next episode or, or watch or listen to an episode that you haven't listened to in a while. Um, but this is a this is a heavy, re, a heavily reproductive focused episode. Kids. It is indeed, uh, but we I I assume we're going to be using like science sciencey terms and professional sounding language. No, I have Urban Dictionary pulled up here, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to use all the words that I've learned today. <laughs> Euf deep euphem. You can either go like full science or deep euphemism. Nothing in between. There and there's a limit to the euphemisms. Almost like you, I can make up euphemisms, and in the context, you just get it. Yeah, that's a that's a good method. Yeah, methodology. But what are we talking about? We're talking about the brown antechinus. Is that how you would say that? Anti. Yeah. Antechinus or anti antichinus. I don't want I don't to know. say antichinus a hundred times. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't see with the up. lady in the computer thing. That she says antichinus too. But it's antichinus sounds like it's, it's right. It's Australian. It is indeed. Uh, but what else does it be called? Does what else it does called it be called? This is what it be called. Uh, it's also called Stuart's uh, Antichinus. I love it. Uh, it's called. It's also called uh, McClay's Marsupial Mouse, which is great. Uh, whoever McClay is, but I like Marsupial Mouse. Um, but I, I'm going to call it uh, Stuart Lottle. 
<laughs> uh, I was going to ask to guess the two, like some references that you'll probably make. And that was going to be one of my guesses. Oh, I, if that, you can guess the last one, um, I will give you, I'll let you continue. I don't know. <laughs> extra credit. Towards, one half uh, of this podcast. <laughs> extra credit towards, uh, the either by towards critter groups or critter groups. Uh, I, I doubt it's the right thing, but I was going to guess something about, uh, the rescuers down under. Nope. Okay, good. It's not the same thing. I didn't, I didn't even think of the rescuers. Um, the, so also known as the mighty mating mouse marsupial. Fair. Uh, which is kind of a hybrid of, uh, Brian's nickname, which I think was just mighty mouse. But it's all it's a marsupial. And then the last one is Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry. Yes, the founding father who famously said, Give me libido or give me death. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. That's yeah, good. yeah. So if that doesn't cue clue you into the nature of this episode, there you go. There's anyway, a classic I mean, joke structure. Yep. Um, I'm glad I executed well. So how do we, how do we science this boy? Well, we science this, this way. It's in the kingdom, you know, love and reside within the kingdom. Animalia, the phylum is Chordata. The class is Mammalia. The infra class is Marsupiala, Mm -hmm. which is interesting when you look at it. The order is... There we go. Daciuromorphia. Yeah. Or da- Daci. Yeah. Daciuromorphia. Yeah, could be. The family is Daciuridae or Daisyuridae. Probably da- probably a, not a Z sound. Or a long A. And the uh, genus is Ant- Antichinus. The I name of the animal. That's what we settled on. Or Antichinus. No, it's Antichinus. Antichinus, and then the uh, species is uh, Stuart E. Yeah, Antichinus Stuarty E. It's Chef Stuarty. And uh, who do you think this was uh, discovered by or described by? Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're thinking it's somebody named Stuart, you're wrong. It was first described by William Sharp. McClay. That's why it's called McClay's it marsupial named, mouse. It was named after his friend, James Stewart. Not the famous James Stewart. Spelled differently, I'm pretty sure. But he's famous for being, you know, a mouse-like creature. This mouse is uh, famous for its uh, month-long filibusters. Yes. It's also the only... Only the third species in its genus to be discovered. Little taxonomy in our show about taxonomy. We should have it. I think so. <laughs> I've been advocating for more taxonomy, and, and here we got some. <laughs> Speaking of taxonomy and names. We are in the business of naming things. And business. I already made that joke. Um, the uh, It's time for my favorite part of the show. Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question. The question is the same. Every time, what is the name of a group of this animal? What is the term of entry? Or what is the 
collective noun. Uh, there isn't one that I could find for ant antichinuses. Assuming that's the plural. Um, but they are closely related to other Australian marsupials, such as the wombat. And I don't think we're going to tackle the wombat, so... If you saw a group of wombats, would you say A, it's a wisdom of wombats, B, a wallop of wombats, C, a wilt of wombats, or D, a whimper of wombats? If you look at it, it looks like a wallop. That's the of this rotund little animal. Wallop is the only one that rings true when you look at it. Okay. I I don't think you could accuse it of being wise. It doesn't look wise. It looks adorable and small and round. So I'm going with wallop. Final answer. Incorrect. What, answer is it a wisdom? It is a wisdom. What? It, what, it's not an owl. Is Owls it, are the only wise animal. They are already, they're already in parliament. That's as wise as you can get. Ask anyone exactly. who has a parliament. I'm sure everyone who has a parliament would agree. That it's that uh, the pinnacle of wisdom. So <laughs> it, it's, ba it's synonymous with wisdom. So it's basically just a metonym for the... For the for the whole, for, for the the concept in general, so they they were free to delegate wisdom to some fluffball. <laughs> well, the idea that this fluffball is a just a repository of wisdom is really funny. It's so. it's sagacious. I also have thesaurus.com <laughs> right right next to Urban Dictionary. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's not. The, the Antichinus is, is not a wombat. Uh, it does not look that much like a wombat, but it is relatively closely related, much more closely related than it is to mice, despite its appearance. And speaking Very of true. appearances... Speaking of appearance, here's what it looks like uh, if, you're, if you haven't already Googled it or seen the art. At first glance, you'd swear this little marsupial was a mouse. Or maybe some sort of small shrew. But it, it has a perfectly pointed snout, big ears, a furry round body, and a long tail, like a mouse. It's It's got uh, light brown uh, hues with counter shading, obviously. Um, and their feet, the only thing that kind of diverges from what you'd expect from a mouse is their feet are very wide with thin fingers, sort of like a possum. Mm -hmm. which, you know... It's also a marsupial. Which differs from the small, slender mouse paw. But both have kind of like people people hands, little mm -hmm. fingers. Little pink ones. Yeah. But that's all I've got for that, except for the fact we said it was small. What could that possibly mean? There's no way to know unless we compare it to something more relatable. So it's welcome to the beloved... Measure of segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show when we present, that's introduced by you, when you send an audio yourself saying, saying you're chittering, the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. Tisk, tisk, tisk. And that's on you. Maybe I say that part too slowly, but you can send it in. You can send in a measure of intro. Or you say it too quickly. Yeah. 
It's like the you know the when they uh, when they give you all the side effects of a medication at the end of the commercial, you're supposed you're supposed to not catch that. Or if you don't want to send it send in, if you just love having Carlos guess animal sounds, send me an animal sound and a quick like little hello, and that'd be great. But hello, animal sound. When we don't have a measure of intro, that means Carlos. We get to hear from an animal, and Carlos has to guess what it is. It's introduced by an animal that doesn't know it's doing it. The poor thing. But without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. What is that? I have to make sure not to show you what it is in the camera. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's what uh, f- uh, Finn from Star Wars was was drinking next to at the beginning of Force Awakens. Is that a Sarlacc? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. A, is it A, a crocodile? B, a camel? C, a pilot whale? Or D, an elephant? Or E, my rumbly tummy. My rumbly tumbly. Um, I don't think it's a crocodile. Too bubbly. Too 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 much. Uh, too gurgly and bubbly for that. Um, possibly a camel. Uh, you say pilot whale. I don't think it's mm-hmm. a whale. So it's between. You know, they're all related. If taxonomy is to be considered. They're all even-toed ungulates. <laughs> Except for the... The crocodile. <laughs> yeah. What was the last one? Elephant. Elephant. Doesn't it have three toes? That's an odd-toed ungulate. It might be. Elephants make a lot of different sounds, which we learned when we were doing the elephant episode, which you should check out. But I'm going to go with Camel. I think the camel. answer is final camel. answer. Yes. That's correct. Yes. That was a camel. <laughs> the guttural dulcet tones of a camel. <laughs> dulcet. There's nothing dulcet about that. No. I'm not sure even what dulcet means, but it doesn't ring true for this. It's uh, uh it's sultry. Let's talk body length. Not including the tail. They are 93 to 130 millimeters or 3.7 to 5.1 inches okay so how many brown antichinuses which i looked up and it is the correct plural uh go into the distance harold hell traveled across australia on a mini scooter harold hell yeah Well, it sounds like you could I, travel the entire distance of Australia, the entire width of it, on a mini scooter. So, I'm assuming the answer is the same as the lateral distance of Australia, the lateral width. Well, here's a hint. Harold went the distance on March 27th, 2000, and it took him 18 days, 11 hours, and 25 minutes. He started in Port Augusta, South Australia, and ended in Darwin, which is in the 
which is in the Northern Territory. That's in the North-West-ish. Okay, so he did, went from bottom to top, but Australia's kind of got that that pouch at the bottom. Of course it does. Because it's, it's a, the home of marsupials. Australia's just a big <laughs> marsupial. Because <laughs> it takes care of its young. Okay? And there's yeah. a lot of joeys. 2,500 miles sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. 2,500 miles. This is a, a a push scooter. What? Like like a razor scooter, but but sized for adults. Wait, what did you? What is it called? A mini scooter. That's what the Guinness Book of World Records called it. What? I was assuming like a little uh, like a moped or one of those scooters with a motor on it. He pushed his way this whole <laughs> yeah. distance. Yes. It took him eighteen hours, eighteen days. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm reducing my number <laughs> <laughs> because that is um, I that is too far. That's like me scootering. That's like you scootering from where you are to like Philly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm reducing it. Uh, I think a thousand miles is good. You would scoot one thousand miles just to fall. I would definitely fall uh, down at your door if I was the man who scooted a thousand miles. <laughs> um, if I could just see you. Okay. All right. Sorry, How do I gotta do kindnesses. I gotta do math. The answer is twelve million four hundred twenty-three five. To, oh, sorry, twelve million four hundred twenty-three thousand five hundred twenty-nine point four one one seven six four seven one, give or take a few. It's just my approximation. Final answer. I did, really didn't use the calculator. Uh, yeah. So tw- twelve, twelve point four million. That's my answer. The correct answer is twenty-one point seven million. Oh, half. I was so I was closer if I went with twenty-five hundred. <laughs> The, your your first two digits just needed to be inverted. Um, the the route was estimated to be two thousand eight hundred kilometers or one thousand seven hundred and fifty miles. Okay, I would not have been closer if I had gone with twenty five hundred miles. Just I, I was is that was exactly in the middle of my two guesses, basically. Okay, wow, that is a Such is long, the game. That's a long way. Hold on. So that's So he went 94 miles a day uh on that thing. Which That's a lot. I hope it was downhill. Which if he was <laughs> it's just the whole thing is downhill. That's, well, the, Australia, Australia is, is the flattest one, continent in the world. It's just one so. big like ramp. From south to north, you could just sit on a skateboard and you'd end up in the ocean, no matter where you are. Um, wow! So if he was only going during the like daylight hours or something, say, so yeah, he was going about five miles an hour. I guess it's doable. I push scooters with my left leg, so I would just have a monstrous left leg by the end of that. And it's all worth it for that Guinness record. It seems like you could just do 
anything novel. I know they have rules, though. But you can do anything novel. Because the fastest time this is, that's what the record is. The fastest time. Yeah, what if I put a bell on it? Then I the, then I do it, and I'm the fastest person to do it on a scooter <laughs> with a bell on it. <laughs> yeah. Or just a slightly different type of vehicle. Yeah. A, a tricycle, you know? Trike harder. Yeah. Uh, let's talk weight. 16 to 44 grams or 0.5 to 1.5 ounces. Okay. We're talking about a small marsupial, but how many antichinises go into the one of the largest of the largest marsupials in the world? You know what the largest marsupial in the world is? Wait, wait, wait. Think we I think we talked about this at some point. We had to have. It's a slam it's an easy one. It's a kangaroo. It's a lamp. Yeah. Red kangaroo. Really? I thought there yeah. was like some sort of large mammal that I've what that like few people knew was a marsupial. Kind of like few people know that the like capybara is a, a um, rodent. is a rodent and so it's the largest rodent, but people are like, What? Y- yeah. I, there might have been there's probably larger ones in history, but extant it's the red kangaroo and the largest of the largest is is, uh well one of the largest of the largest is here's a hint the late roger the buff kangaroo uh he's a red kangaroo which makes him bigger than all other marsupial species we've talked about him before maybe even for a measure up segment uh in addition to being big roger was also an aggressive fighter you and I talked about him uh, extensively when we used to work in the same office because I, it took me a while to believe that this thing actually existed. That, did you think it was wasn't, fake or did you think it was like roided up? It wasn't not natural. That it was fake. Oh. Because well, there's no because kangaroos don't use their arms very much and it's just it's just crazy that it looks it looked the way it did. They walk on their arms, like they stabilize at least with them. So they're like doing kind of like a push-up. I guess, but it's got those tiny little T-Rex arms. There's no reason for it to be swole there. (laughs) (laughs) Like its Uh, tail and legs should be. But maybe he's just so, maybe his tail and legs are incredibly swole. And just by comparison, he's swoller than the average kangaroo in the upper body as well. Uh, I'm going to assume that this kangaroo weighed um, 300 pounds. Okay. I think they're about they're a little shorter than the average human, but they're just pretty muscular. So He and his handler, like the guy who ran the farm, I think were the exact same height. So I'm saying the, I'm, I'm saying my answer is that 3,200 antichinuses go into Roger. Final answer. Mm-hmm. The correct answer was 2,061.7 marsupial mice. Um, what? Marsupial Roger mice. Roger was beef. He's beefcake. Roger was 200 pounds. Are you ready for some fast facts before sure. we get into the swole fact? Uh, I'm not. Swole is not a word I would want to use with this. <laughs> this. <laughs> Actually, the, the opposite mar- happens, so... The marsupial mouse is native to the 
southeastern parts of Australia, they like forests with a lot of dense foliage on the ground, and to provide them with which provides them with cover. You know, if you're a mouse and you want to move around, uh, mm-hmm. it's good to have some stuff overhead. They also prefer forests that don't burn that often for two reasons. Same. The first is that fire is hot and not good to touch. Fire bad. The second is that forest fires clear away ground cover. So, and that there's that uh, that uh, that kite in Australia yeah. that specifically sets fires to catch things like the like the antichinus. Yeah. Uh, the fact that this mouse-like marsupial is not related to rodents is evidence that the mouse form is tried and true in nature. Form of mouse. Yeah. Convergent evolution is when things are like, things just happen to look alike because it's good to look like that or good to be like that. Unlike many subterranean mice, the Antichinus is an arboreal aficionado. They come out at night to find spiders, beetles, crustaceans, and other insects. Uh, in f- but females share large communal nests in trees. So it's a nice little uh, little apartment for these mm, arboreal marsupial mice. It's a condo. There's a, there's a really big fee, condo association fee, just to maintain the pool. Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to get uh, on the association's bad side either. Nope. While they have uh, taken rodent-like features, they've also forsaken the marsupial way in another key way. They don't have a pouch. Isn't that sad? There's no mouse pouch. Instead, babies cling to their mother and attach to the teat. So, good luck if you're a little baby. There's no there's no hammock for you to lay in. Just grab on. Yeah, that's going to factor in heavily into to why things go down the way they go down. Okay, well, let's hear it. I'm ready for the major fact. All right, this is the second disclaimer. Disclaimer, I don't know if that's the right word. It's a warning. We're going to be using science terms, be as tasteful as possible, but this is about mating, and they do a lot of it. So here we go. Mating marathon is what I'm calling this one. Uh, The Antichinus is a part of a group of animals that are semelparous. Semelparous? Uh, basically means it's an animal that only mates once in its life. Uh, and that can, semelparity can refer to animals that mate once and then live and raise their young and then die. Um, but it usually most of the animals that fall in this category, uh, practice suicidal reproduction, meaning it is the last thing that they do and it kills them. Um, so this is true of many insects, fish, mollusks, even cephalopods. Uh, the giant octopus does this. Think of salmon. They live their whole lives. They swim upstream, they mate, and they immediately die and are eaten by bears. Mm-hmm. Um, and mammals do not do this, uh, except for one, the antichinus. Not just the brown antichinus, but antichinuses in general. They are the only mammals to do this, uh, and they are the exception So the reason why mating only happens once in their lives is that their breeding season is absolutely insane uh, and fatal. Uh, So near the end of every July, all of the males 
all the male antichinuses completely stop producing sperm. Meaning they have everything that they need and nothing more, and they will never get any more. And they only have one chance to use it all up before they are completely incapable of producing offspring and passing on their genes. And if you and as you know from if if you've listened to a lot of our episodes, passing on one's genes is like priority numero uno for most animals. Uh, it's it's a, a priority level that supersedes even one's you know life and you know Death. getting food and yes yes yes. <laughs> so and that's true for the antikinus. It's it is more important than being alive. So uh, in so the month of August, so if they, at if at the end of the July they stop producing sperm, then the month of August is when they have to get rid of it. Um, and that's their only shot to do what they were put on this green earth to do. So in a frenzy, uh, the males run around trying to mate with as many females as they can possibly find as quickly as possible uh, or die trying. I should change that to and die trying because that's what happens. <laughs> uh, because for, for weeks... A male's for the the entire month, basically, the male's body will base will be a tiny ball of stress hormones and testosterone. So testosterone to, you know, get the juices flowing, and the uh, stress hormone to drive him to go do this. Like, hey, there's nothing no else stopping. matters. Yeah, there's no stopping this train. Uh, we're we're on the night train. Um, so he mates constantly. Each mating session is physically demanding and lasts up to 14 hours yikes so uh it's it's not like a, it's not a quickie like a lot of animals do this is a this is a seri- serious that's what i here. would assume for a mouse you know nope it requires uh heavy lifting um and so he, during this time he'll stop eating his fur will fall off he'll start bleeding internally He'll start metabolizing his muscles to keep himself going rather than fat. Um, his organs will start to shut down, and eventually he will just fall down and die from exhaustion. So before they reach one year old, every male Antichinus has boogied itself to death. Why? <laughs> that Why? is not like... There's gonna There will be a lot of jokes, and I'm sure in researching... There were a lot of jokes on the internet about like what a great way to go, you know. Yeah, this... you literally exa- It's like running to death. It's like you're you're. It's a slow death. That's not fun. Yeah, it's if you're a Futurama fan, this is death by snoo yeah. snoo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that the other reference you thought I was going to go for? Oh. I was thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which uh, in that show is seen as a great way to go. You know, yes, slowly dying over the course of a month as all of your organs fail, your hair falls out, and you bleed internally as your uh, as your uh, uh, nervous system takes over your brain and forces you to go to go on this spree. Uh, that doesn't sound like a good way to do anything, let alone mm-hmm. this. There's no yeah. romance. Where's the romance? Yeah. <laughs> um. Light a candle for this little mouse, <laughs> and then put it on a little boat and send it off into the into a lake. 
yeah. as we remember our fallen brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, it's a good a good question is why does this happen? Like of all the of all the animals, all the mammals, like there's has to be a better way to to do this. Um, and at first, re- researchers thought that the males were being selfless, just brave, brave heroes. Uh, and having fulfilled their glorious purpose, uh, they sacrificed themselves to leave the resources for their posterity. How nice of them. Um, others thought that females were easy prey and often died after breeding and giving birth. So mating with as many as possible were, would hedge the male's bets to one of them surviving and passing on their genes. That makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, but the most recent and strongest theory revolves around their diet. Uh, Antichinuses mainly eat insects, as you mentioned. Uh, and in Australia, and specifically where they live, uh, insects arrive in peak numbers and in large waves called a bonanza. <laughs> so it's what's happened as the, is the females will have timed their birthing season or their receptive the time where they're receptive to uh male advances which is biting off a lot more than you can chew i think if you're a female in this species uh, it's like give an inch take a mile kind of thing um but uh the so they've timed it with the start of this bonanza so that they will be able to eat enough to uh, suckle the the young that they have. Like you said, they don't have pouches, um, but they're still marsupials, not mice. So they give birth to severely underdeveloped young called joeys, um, and which are incapable of doing anything. Uh, and are extremely vulnerable, and <laughs> I'm just, this is this is all this is all casting aspersions on you. Just apply it to your life. Incredibly vulnerable. Yes. Very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, beat red. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a red uh, shirt today. You are. You are. Um. So and it takes four months for uh a joey to no longer need its mother and to be able to eat its own own food looking at you um yeah it just took four months <laughs> by four months i was walking yeah you had you had a job yep you had a 401k it was remarkable yeah. i wasn't even there for it you're older than me <laughs> <laughs> i was floored and i wasn't even i wasn't even existing yet um so, the, yeah, the females adapted to only mate right before the insect bonanzas so that they could have enough food and energy to be able to uh, sustain their joeys for the four months it takes to get them uh, out of the nest. So, therefore, the males, in turn, adapted to maximize their mating potential during those few weeks in August when the females are receptive just before the bonanza. So rather than compete by fighting one another, like a lot of animals do, the Antichinus uh, competes by sheer volume. Just sow those wild oats. Johnny Appleseed style. Just the, <laughs> yeah. the, throw, throw them on the ground. If the weeds come up and choke them or the sun beats down, then fine. But the seed that lands on good soil will grow. Um, 
And so that's lots of notches on bed posts and lipstick cases and and then they die end of uh, end of end of story <laughs> but yeah that's all that's all i got that was a more tasteful event so th- there's could have been yeah it was not so bad but so there's no biological it's not like i would imagine in salmon there's a biological cause for their death like this is their lifespan whereas the the marsupial mouse they could it's live just, longer. He exhausts himself. Yeah. yeah. So if you could overcome, if there was a marsupial mouse that had a deficiency of that hormone that causes him to go crazy, maybe he'd live longer. Well, they compared it to other anti, uh, other similar marsupials um, that were not completely. What's the word again? Um, semel. Semel Paris, the whole like mating once thing, the suicidal mm-hmm. reproduction. So meaning that some of the members, the male members live. Um, and that was actually how they discovered this reasoning um, was comparing it to other marsupials that would where some of their members would would live past the mating season to show that it was uh, based around the diet. So, yeah, they, I I actually didn't look up what their the female's lifespan is um, outside of just, you know, normal factors. But males only live for one year. It's kind of like the um, the black anglerfish where they just it it just its whole existence is to find a female and yep. and die or like a or like a bee. Um, yeah, they can live for over two years. So double the lifespan. Half, yeah, so it, it sacrifices the other half of its life. Although it's a, after some of them produce a second litter, but most die after rearing one. And the the other thing is that <clears throat> often if, if a female mates multiple times, um, which she does, uh, it's usually the uh, the most recent male is the one who's... Uh, who fertilizes the female? Uh, it can displace the sperm of the of previous oh. competitors. It's like a an antagonist. It's like a Narcan. <laughs> so, the, so the more that you can give, the more chances you have of of passing on your genes, and the longer you, you can survive. <laughs> so, it's not early bird gets the worm in this situation. I was thinking, is there are are there is there a um, uh, Attila the Hun mouse out there that like one season fathers got to all everyone. of them? <laughs> yeah, but nope, no, it keeps it keeps going, and like who the the last one before it, like the the last mate it gets off before it dies is the most likely for to pass on the genes. So it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. It's an endurance test. It is three ish weeks of mating and that's why it's called i call the mating marathon it mates itself to death death by snoo snoo (laughs) uh do you have anything else that's all i got all right that was the brown antichinus thanks for sticking around welcome back everyone who uh who who left from the uh from just the scandalous nature of this major fact. But for you out there in podcast, you pace yourself. 
take care of your physical and mental health, and indulge with moderation, unlike the brown antichinus here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores slash taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. podcast <laughs> it's good this, that you said unlike i had to go negative on this one i couldn't think of anything any traits that i wanted anyone to emulate from the brown antichinus i guess breathe <laughs> yeah or or you know sometimes it's good to focus on one thing to the exclusion of all else yeah no <laughs> usually not though usually not usually not yeah Work-life balance.